Hawaii on a raft without a pattern. Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy, the small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> International banking, diplomatic cables, nuclear missile launch codes all rely on unbreakable encryption. What if these codes were no longer? That nightmare scenario seems to be a reality. A shadowy underworld syndicate is auctioning off access to the world's encrypted secrets. The only plausible explanation for this ability? Someone has achieved the holy grail of code-breaking quantum computing. Veteran CIA agent John Clooney must track down the perpetrators and retrieve this technology for the U.S. government. It's personal, as the Enigma brokers have already cost the lives of a fellow agent, perhaps including his partner. John Wessex, the Enigma brokers, is the first book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it at Barnes Noble. Hey, Boggs. You ever want to be funny? Oh, my I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead passers? You know, if you go to joke workshops, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even going to be jerks about it. Now, are you serious? Listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you. Or they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang dabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. Mutiny Radio. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutiny Radio. I was just leaving the theater. Convertible 1969 gold Cadillac with the white interior. And I started to do some thinking. I really, really good time. Black, black, black. Smoking big spliffs and cruising. Saturday, noon to two. On the freeway. I am a total. Hello, Blake. Henry. Yeah. Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. Has John Clooney's friend and ally become a dangerous enemy? Private investigator Anton Bruner has been CIA agent John Clooney's trusted aide. 
Cluny may have questioned Gruber's taste in cuisine, but never his loyalty, till Gruber double-crossed him. Escaping with his life, Cluny is sidelined while his superior attempts to discover how Gruber was compromised. The investigation delves into Gruber's astonishing past, from his unpleasant days as an East German border guard to life as a narcotics agent, from his time in the tango clubs of Buenos Aires to a trip up the Amazon in search of Nazi John Wessex's The Prague Deception is the third book of the John Clooney thriller. Get it. Hey, Mutineers Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up an excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip-hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody. Meals on Wheels is dedicated to fostering independent living for San Francisco seniors by providing hot, nutritious meals delivered to their homes. They're committed to fostering independent living for as long as possible. For more information, please call Meals on Wheels at 415-920-1111. This public service announcement is brought to you by your friends at Mutiny Radio in San Francisco. Are you looking for local handcrafted leather goods? Look no further than Skin on Skins. A local mission, a leather working shop, all original pieces handcrafted for you. Jackets, belts, purses, jewelry, everything made out of leather. You need your bicycle seat fixed? You want it in cool leather? Under can do it. You have a motorcycle that you want to fit out with side bags and cool stuff? Talk to Under. Go to SkinOnSkins.com. That's S-K-I-N-O-N-S-K-I-N-S.com. You just went to Folsom Street Fair and you don't have enough leather? Go see Under. Everything is handcrafted and understated quality. Fine leather handcrafted goods for all of your needs. He also does fixes. Maybe you love that jacket. Put the zipper back in. Talk to Under at SkinOnSkins.com at 20th and Mission. Check them out at SkinOnSkins.com. Volunteer for the San Francisco Food Bank. The San Francisco Food Bank release on volunteers like you to help sort, package, and distribute healthy food to people in need in San Francisco. Each year, over 22,000 people contribute thousands of hours to fighting hunger in our community. This support will enable the SF Food Bank to distribute 43.5 million pounds of food this year, enough for 93.000 meals every day. 
but they can't do it without volunteers. Visit www.sffoodbank.org slash volunteer. Again, www.sffoodbank.org slash volunteer to find out how you can help. Shadwick Group of Killers for Hire is eliminating um, world leaders, crime lords, and CIA agents. Inexplicably, the deceased contract killers have the DNA of people who are long dead. CIA agent John Clooney devises a dangerous plan to capture a shadow killer alive. Contract a hit. John Wessex, The Shadow Killers, is the second book of the John Clooney thrillers. Get it. Take a psychedelic circus journey to the dark side of the moon with Bow and Arrow Presents Dark Side of the Circus, a psychedelic circus show set to Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. Playing for one weekend only, September 16th through 18th at Dance Mission Theater. Tickets available now at darksideofthecircus.brownpapertickets.com. Mutiny Radio listeners can get a $25 ticket with promo code MUTINY420. Bow and Arrow, we'll see you. Welcome, everybody, with uh, Labor and Love coming at you on the wild side.
The shark has pretty teeth, dear, and he shows them a pretty wife. That's a jackknife, has back heat, dear, and he keeps it out of sight. When the shark bites with his teeth, dear, scarlet billows. Start to spread Fancy gloves though Where's my heat dear So there's not a trace mm, Of red On the sidewalk Sunday morning Lies a body Oozing light Someone sneaking Around the corner Someone smacked the knife mm, from a tugboat by the river. A cement bags drooping down. Yes, the cement's just for the weight, dear. Bet you, Mac, he's back in town. Look at you, Louis Miller. Disappeared, dear, after drawing out his cash. And Mac Heat spent like a sailor. Did our boy do something rash? Suki Tawdry, Jenny Diver, Lottie Lanyard, Sweet Lucy Brown. All the lines formed on the right ears. Now that Mackey's back in town. Take it, Satch.
cuánto tiempo disfrutamos de este amor nuestras almas se acercaron tanto así que yo guardo tu sabor como tú llevas también sabor a mí y negarás mi presencia en Bastaría con abrazarte y conversar tanta vida yo te di que por fuerzas llevará sabor a mí. No pretendo ser tu dueño, no soy nada, yo no tengo vanidad en mi vida. Otra cosa puedo dar, pasarán más de mil años, muchos más, yo no sé si tengamos la eternidad, pero allá tal como aquí, y en la boca llevará sabor a mí. Pretendo ser tu dueño, no soy nada, yo no tengo vanidad en mi vida, todo lo bueno, soy tan pobre que otra cosa puedo dar, pasarán más de mil años, muchos más, yo no sé si tengamos la eternidad. Allá tal como aquí Y en la boca Llevará Sabor a mí Sabor a mí Sabor a mí Sabor a mí Michael Franti with a little subterranean homesick blues. Kick it off like this. It's hey, Johnny's in the basement, mixing up the medicine. I'm on the pavement, thinking about the government, the man in the 
transco. Badge got laid off. Says it's got a bad call. Wants to get it paid off. Look out, kid. It's something you did. God knows when, but you're doing it again. You better duck down the alleyway. Looking for a new friend. The man in the cool skin cap is in the big pen. Wants $11 bills, but you only got 10. Maggie gone sleep foot, face full of black soot, talking at the heat foot, plants in the bed, but the phone's tapped anyway. Maggie says that many say they got a bust in early May. Orders from the DA, look out, kid, no matter what you did. Walking on your tiptoes, don't try no those. It better stay away from those that carry around the fire hose. Keep a clean nose, watch the flame close. You don't need no weatherman to know which way the wind blows. You got to get sick, get well, hang around an inkwell, ring bell, hard to tell if anything is gonna sell, try hard to get far, get back, right trail, get jailed, jump bail, join the army if you fail, look out, kid, you're gonna get hit by users, Use cheaters, six-time losers, hang around the theater, girl by the whirlpool, looking for a new pool, don't follow no leaders, watch the parking, parking meters. Get on, get warm, short pants, romance, learn to dance, get dressed, get yourself blessed, how to be a success. Please her, please him, buy gifts, don't steal, don't live, no man. 20 years of schooling and they put you on the day shift. Look out, kid, they keep it all here. Better jump down a manhole, light yourself a candle. Don't wear sandals, try to avoid the scandals. Don't want to be a bum, you better chew gum. The pump don't work because the vandals throw the handles. And that's how we and take it underground to cure the subterranean homesick blues. You say, oh yeah. So that was our opening shot, our opening set. My name is Bill Morgan, a.k.a. The Bee. My show is called Labor and Love Radio, and our network here is Mutiny Radio. And we do have a brick-and-mortar place located at the corner of 21st and Florida Streets, in the very heart of the mission. Almero Mero. The show is named Labor and Love because we bring you Current news about the labor movement, history of the labor movement, commentary, and opinion. Oftentimes we have interviews, all by, about, and for working people. So just now you heard, see what you heard. Oh, you heard the Subterranean Homesick Blues by Michael Franti. Take up of Dylan's, people call it proto hip hop, proto rap. I don't know. Maybe something a little different. Like some of Dylan's work, it needs its own definition. If you're hung up on on definitions. Then we had uh, Thatchmo, Louis Armstrong playing about Mac the Knife. Shark has pretty teeth, babe. And right in the middle of that, we had a beautiful love song, Mexican love song called Sabor a Mi, in a way that you can't quite do in English. The uh, Spanish tongue lets you combine something that's 
totally sensual, the taste that you have in your mouth from someone. And an eternal love. Beautiful song, Sabor a Mi. And today we got a new show for you. Labor History in Two Minutes. Radio Labor, Report on Child Labor, which is going to be our theme today. We're going to have a couple or three features on child labor, specifically the Shine Corporation. Find out what the Shine Corporation is and what's been happening. Iqbal Masih. Labor Card Pack. Today, from the Labor Card Pack, we pick number 14, Iqbal Asi, and we'll see a presentation on Iqbal and his work and child labor. Well, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. This is one of the credos on our show. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, where you work, then it's simple. You're on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. It's, it's a very crucial quality, rare and crucial. Okay, um, we got Charlie Morgan here with us today. We got uh, Francesca Fiorentini coming in, her analysis of Uvalde. Okay, let's look it over. The Shine Corporation. Is Shine okay to buy from? Shine is kind of a recent online fast fashion retailer. Fast fashion is right. It was founded in 2008 in Nanjing, China. Company is known for its affordably priced apparel. In its early stages, Shine was considered more of a drop shopping business than a retailer. Shine is, uh, is Shine unethical. Why is Shine unethical? Shine was accused in August 2020 of stealing a garment pattern from an independent desire. It also came under fire last year for selling a two-pound Nazi swastika necklace before quickly removing it from its online store. Chinese child labor, we'll see about that. Our strict code of conduct prohibits suppliers from using child or forced labor. 
Are shine workers hiding secret messages in clothing tags to beg for help? Well, the, the charge is that workers in shine, at shine, are being ripped off and they're being exploited and brutalized and look at a movie here. Exposing shine. These people who are working 75 hour weeks are making about two to six cents per article of clothing. Let's be more mindful, Shein. Let's be responsible. That's all I'm asking. Shein is one of the most deceptive brands. They constantly dodge questions about their working conditions and steal from small artists who can't defend themselves. The public is convinced that these Shein workers need our help. They are working 75-hour-long weeks with little to no pay, and the clothing that Shein has been selling us is slowly poisoning us. So let's get into it. Do you ever feel overwhelmed or stressed after a long day? Well, today's sponsor can help. This is a Gummies commercial. Let's just skip it. Shine is a uh, large clothing company. Fast. I guess they're called fast fashion, right? <laughs> got fast food. We got fast fashion. Okay, so this is a common thing. I mean, this is this is where people make their money on the gap. A lot of uh, a lot of the uh, celebrity clothing line. Seen a couple of videos like this one. Hey y'all! So y'all know y'all heard about that Sheen stuff where Sheen is like. Uh, overworking their employees, I guess. And on the clothes, it'll say, need your help and stuff. There are hundreds of videos just like this one where these consumers pull out their Shein clothing and they read the label to find a cry for help. Two weeks ago. So let's see. Y'all, do y'all see it? It's right there. Need your help. These videos are currently going viral on TikTok and Shein isn't happy about it. They are currently arguing against these TikTokers and claiming that there aren't any cry for helps on our tags and everyone's just misunderstanding everything. One viral TikTok in particular has 40 million views and they're claiming that there are secret messages on Shein's clothing tags. And currently Shein is doing everything in their power to go to every news source and explain away this whole 
whole conspiracy. What do I want? I want to know. fashion company which means that they turn over clothing very quickly at a low price which involves cheap labor and people believe that these tags read need your help because people are being forced to work in these factories really long and hard hours and they're trying to get our attention so Shein isn't too happy about this media storm and they released a statement claiming that the message on these tags are just a poorly written reminder to remind consumers to use fabric softener when they are washing their Shein clothing probably because their clothing is pretty hard like i've i've purchased from Shein before i'm not trying to act like i'm some angel in this video but after doing some research i don't know if i could ever support this company again and it seems like a lot of the miscommunication is coming from tiktok so naturally they posted a tiktok of their own here it is So there are two things that TikTok is trying to do with this video. They're first off trying to explain away this tag by claiming that you just need to use fabric softener. Like it's not that serious. Like they don't need your help in this factory. And then secondly, oddly enough, they take a few old photos from the past and try to like mix it in with this viral situation to make it seem like what we're seeing is just like recycled content. I personally haven't seen anyone use this photograph as evidence for like Shein clothing, but they bring up this incident from 2015 and they claim, you know, it's not us. But the main issue here is the fact that people believe that the people creating this clothing aren't being treated fairly. When it comes to Fashion Nova, another huge fashion brand, but honestly way smaller than Shein because Shein's even bigger than Zara and H&M combined. But looking at Fashion Nova, they've got people who they pay in LA to work for them, and they're paying them $2.77 an hour. That is not livable income, especially being here in LA. So imagine what Shein's doing across the world. Unfortunately, we don't have a spokesperson from one of these factories owned by Shein that can just come forth and tell us what's really going on, but we do have some reports. And these findings are scary. This company has tried to really cover up this mess. It took me a while to find some of these statistics and what's really going on inside of these facilities because it looks like Shein's doing everything in their power to cover it all up. There were actually a group of researchers who went to China and they found these different manufacturing sites and some of them were considered residential buildings that were just bought over by Sheen and then turned into a factory which is not safe because it's not like regulated for a working space with windows or emergency exits and one of the researchers says like hope there's no fire there because I can't even imagine what that would be like. There were also some of these employees who spoke to these researchers and shared that they sewed for 12 hours a day, working about 75 hours a week and receiving one day off a month. So now we know that these people are overworked and underpaid. But now I question whether these people are adults 
or children. There have been a ton of accusations about employing children at these facilities and slavery. They're literally throwing out the slavery word out here. Um, and the company has failed to make proper disclosures about its working conditions to the British government because Shein is an international company and different, you know, countries have different policies and the Brits want to know exactly how these clothes are getting created. Shein claims that they never engage in any type of child or forced labor, but they don't provide the full supply chain disclosure that these countries would like. I guess America doesn't give an F because Australia is also trying to figure out this information. They have like a modern slavery statement or something they have to send to the Australian government that they're not doing so. So um, this has actually ended up into some legal trouble for Shein because they're not following the laws in these countries and they continue to sell. Also, I forgot to mention, these people who are working 75 hour weeks are making about two to six cents per article of clothing. I don't exactly understand the turnout rate. I guess they're like sewing, putting together, like how that works, but that doesn't seem like enough. Tag. As you can see right there, need your help in between the technology and washing. washing. Need your Before we talk a little bit about the history of Shein, I do want to share that they claim they never engage in child or forced labor. Like I mentioned earlier, it's on their website, but uh, there's no way that this situation's ethical. If Shein was such a great place to work at, then why don't they show the factories? Why don't they show the workers or the clothing being created? Why are they arguing with these old photos from 2014, 2015 to try to make their case that they're not forcing labor or providing unsafe working conditions? It just, mm, it seems a little bit sus to me, but I wanna talk about how this company started because it's massive. So the company was originally created by a man named Chris Wu. In late 2008, they changed the company's name to She Inside, which is where the name Shein comes from. A lot of people call it Sheen, but I believe it's supposed to be Shein from what I've looked at online because the name originally was She Inside put together. And they were using social media marketing to sell clothing primarily clothing for women on this website. By 2016, they were creating their own Shein clothing. By 2017, they started to appear on television. And then in 2020, they blew up by using social media like TikTok and Instagram to grow and to sell a lot. Even though Shein is a huge company, they claim they're only worth about $15 billion, which I say only like only, what, what do you mean? $15 billion is huge, but there's some type of like money laundering type of scheme or something going on here because they like want to push forth this $15 billion number, yet the company's worth a lot more. There was an email that was leaked and it revealed that Shein's actually worth about $46 billion, so three times what they're claiming they're worth. There's probably a good reason why Shein's lying about their worth, because there are a bunch of different companies, big companies that have their hands in the Shein pot, and they probably want more money for themselves, which is gross because their employees are making two to six cents per garment on each clothing item they create. Keep in mind, some of these items that they sell on their websites are disgusting.
Now let's talk about some of the offensive items that Shein has decided to sell on their website to pretty much piss off the world. One item that really upset a bunch of different people was Shein's fringe trim Greek fret carpet, which was actually a religious prayer mat that seemed to be, I guess, remade by Shein or bought in wholesale and then sold as like this like cool little like, you know, room decor. This offended a lot of people because they were pretty much taking a religious piece and just like making it fashion, like fast fashion, cheap, and just disposable, which it shouldn't be treated like this. An activist. Has a woman ever lied to you? Activist named Nabella actually called out Shein and told them that this was unacceptable, selling Islamic prayer mats and calling them floral trim carpet. So they reached out to the brand and really this person alone forced Shein to apologize. Eventually, Shein did apologize for selling these floor mats and their apology was, I mean, standard, weak, whatever. They kind of like, they're the brand that just apologizes to apologize. Like they will throw out apologies because about a week after this incident, they got called out for selling swastikas. So now they're selling swastikas, which I don't even need to explain to you guys what this symbol represents and they should have known better. You would think after the floor mat situation, they would get their stuff together and have someone maybe go through their website and identify the problematic items that they're selling, but they didn't, and I cannot handle their apology because it's full of excuses. Like, first off, this emoji, little crying emoji face, like, okay, I know you're sorry at this point. Like, I, I'm sorry for you because what are you doing as a brand? And they try to use the argument that the swastika was originally a Buddhist symbol for spirituality and good fortune, which I get, and I think a lot of people know this, but if they don't, it's not that big of a deal because I believe that this symbol has been, like, rewritten like it does not mean that anymore i feel like if you just like try to it's so dismissive of what happened with like nazis and swastikas and concentration camps to say oh yeah it's like a buddhist symbol for peace like you're gonna act like that whole situation never existed it's again so dismissive of what like so many people went through the swastika situation paired with the floor mats really upset a ton of people and they took to social media to call out Shein. okay guys i have some updates for you i've been speaking with the head of brand from Shein. i've been talking to them for a while because i've been talking to them about the prayer mats and south asian clothing issues from last week and now we're talking about them selling a swastika pendant necklace and not clarifying what this is supposed to represent, thus leading us to make our own assumptions. Now, here's the thing. They need to be more specific because in my interactions with him, um, he's sharing this was supposed to represent a Buddhist swastika and that the Buddhist swastika is a symbol of divinity, spirituality, peace, and love. Why isn't that in the title? This is the same as the issues from last week where they were calling a prayer mat a fringe tassel carpet. That is the problem. We cannot erase the cultures and religions that we're trying to represent in the products that we are selling because that's when it becomes an issue. That's when it becomes appropriation. Before we get into how Shein steals people's art, I do want to briefly mention one more really disgusting offensive item that they sold. So here's a collage of a few different articles, but the one I want to call out is right here at the bottom where Shein apologized for selling a phone case depicting a handcuffed black person outlined in chalk. 
I almost couldn't believe this item. Online store Shein apologized for selling a phone case depicting a handcuffed black person outlined in chalk. I, I'm, I just like couldn't even believe this was real. Here's the photo, and as you can see, there's literally a black person handcuffed on the ground with chalk around them like a crime scene. Like, who? Who? Like, who approved? Who did this? Like, why? The artist's name is Jean Julian, and they actually put out a statement claiming that they created that exact photo. I mean, look at it, guys. It's exactly the same. He posted that on the internet, and then it ended up on a phone case. What were they thinking here? And that's another problem with the brand Shein is that they steal a ton of art from small artists and then mass produce it. So there's actually a recent case where a Florida woman is suing Shein for using her art. Local artist sues Shein for $100 million in damages and copyright infringement, which that's pretty... Can't copyright people. Cannot copyright people. So the artist's name is Maggie, and here's an example of her work, which was recreated and resold by Sheen. So they just filed this complaint like a week ago, and it includes a certificate of registration by the U.S. Copyright Office, which that's pretty intense. Like, it's a lot easier for Shan to steal like designs that aren't copyrighted, but this work is copyrighted, and they sell it usually for nineteen dollars to three hundred dollars a pop. But um, Shan is like reselling it for way less. They've been selling a picture that she created and posted on her Instagram from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty one, and they were selling it for about four dollars per print. Hopefully, Maggie gets her justice in that situation because it's really just like she herself versus the brand which that like that's very daunting like they are a huge company with a lot of money they're lying about how much money they're worth what do you think they're what do you think they're doing with the other money they're probably using it in their lawsuits to shut it all up and to cover their track but the list is growing and there are a lot of people they have stolen from for example a company called stussy 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 is now um, suing them because they are pretty much copying their brand name. Last week, Stussy filed a lawsuit against Shein, accusing it of trademark infringement. Supposedly, Shein has sold a bunch of different clothing items that include this term Stussy on it, which is a brand. So it's like you can't like it's not even a word, like a meaning like why? Like they're clearly just copying a brand. You might as well put like Dior on it or something, but they're just picking on this brand in particular. Stussy claims that they're protected by California law and they are asking the court to block Jan from selling any items with their name or their symbols on them. But that's a long process, and I'm sure Shein's already made a ton of money off of them. I also found an article from Insider where two artists accuse the Chinese fast fashion company of stealing their sticker designs. So um, even the stickers aren't safe out here. So Barry Cute Studio is an artist, and they claim that their sticker design and their stuffed animal design was stolen by Shein and then just sold as a sticker and a sticker pack which is not cool. No, don't come into my head. It's not even like they try to recreate these pieces. They just like take the piece itself and just put it on anything and just I guess hope they get away with it. Another sticker artist named Danny also had his design stolen by Sheen and they just completely copied exactly what he did. Hey, I'm Danny Bruno. 
I designed this silly little screaming internally sticker for your mirrors. This morning, I unfortunately found out that Keen has copied this design and has been selling it since January of 2021. You might be saying to yourself, Danny, it's just some letters. How can they copy that? But I had the idea to turn this meme into a mirror decal four years ago and I've been selling it consistently in my shop for four years. So it's really unfortunate when someone like Sheen that is known for... When working practices went flexible, I wasn't one of those. We're almost done with our Sheen uh, expose. Um, they're kind of passing over now the question of if there is child labor or forced labor in the Chian factories. Chian factories. Um, how can there not be? Cheap labor is what these people are all about. Feels my designs, feels income from me, feels my way to pay my bills. There are even more artists who had their designs stolen by Sheen, and it's just like not cool. These like artists on the internet, they don't make anything off of this. And then when you see a huge brand take your idea and make so much money, that just feels so violating. And I feel like Sheen needs to go and pay these people back for their work and their talent and their art and their creativity and not exploit it in their factories where they can just pump out things all day. Keep in mind that their clothing items and their items in particular are poisonous. So I don't even want to get into what Sheen's doing to the environment because like every company is doing it right now, but like still it's not pretty, but something I could not ignore and I would not feel good if I didn't mention video was that their clothing alone isn't safe and I had no idea that the clothing had poison and lead and all this crap on it. As I mentioned earlier, different countries have different policies and in Canada they are very particular about the chemicals in their clothing. Scientists found that jackets for toddlers purchased from Shein contained almost 20 times the amount of lead that Canada says is safe for children. A red purse also purchased from Shein had more than five times the limit for lead. So these clothing items, these purses, these items coming from China, from Shein, are poisonous to us. Lead can cause damaging effects to the brain, heart, kidneys, and reproductive system. Children and pregnant people are more vulnerable, and infants and children are the most at risk. And there's more than just lead inside of their clothing. There's like these, I'm not even gonna try to say it, patholates, patholates, like, oh, I was not great at chemistry. I was more of a biology type of guy. Um, anyways, these chemicals cause hormonal imbalances, and these these chemicals in particular target men and their reproductive system. So if you're wearing these like Shein shorts and the Shein things, I guess if your balls are, I don't even know what I'm saying. 
but if it's messing with your hormones seriously there's chemicals in this clothing that will get into your blood like we clothing is very like it's on our body all day your skin is an organ it's kind of soaking up whatever it is so uh, you got to be careful I did read online that they recommend washing your Shein clothing before you put it on. I'm not telling you guys not to shop there. I'm telling you what I found out about this brand. And if you have another brand you want me to talk about, here's my email because I am interested in it. I like talking about this stuff. But um, when it comes to the clothing, definitely wash it as soon as you get it. Um, this will make the clothing like not last as long. That's something else I read. But like the chemicals, it's just not worth it. You need to go and protect yourselves. And Honestly, if these items are created with these chemicals and they're so high in toxicity, then what the hell, what's going on with these workers? What are these workers consuming? Like, I, I just, like, there's so many issues here, and I think one day in the future, we're going to, like, look back. Like, I think, like, when robots take over, um, we're going to start to see how disgusting the, you know, fast fashion industry was because we're going to have these machines creating this clothing, but before that, we had these people, and they were working so hours and it was so hard for them and i just like it makes me really upset that we kind of turn a blind eye to the whole situation if you're gonna go shop there then at least understand like what you're supporting and i'm not like trying to shame anyone because i have plenty of clothes from there but like i'm definitely going to question myself going further because i just don't know if i really want to support a company like this plus their clothing does not last like it's shit like i don't have anything that lasts more than like a couple months so let me know what you guys think in the comments below here's my email if you guys have any other video ideas for me do you have any sheen clothing um uh, one of my like one of my necklaces that you guys like a lot it's like a um what's it called like a barbed wire that one's from shein like friggin' it smells so bad like when i touch my hands on it i literally gag it smells so disgusting so anyways i hope you guys Okay, there's Sloan and his expose of Shein, big Chinese uh, clothing company. And uh, after the after a while here, it's around eleven. We'll uh, listen to another one from Shein. I do want to play this one, talking about children here, child labor, and one of the things is. From our labor cards deck, labor card number 14, a young man named Iqbal Masih. And the card reads like this. It is estimated that around the world, 200 million children work each day in slave-like conditions. Bosses prefer children because they are easy to bully. One of them was Iqbal Masih, a Pakistani boy who was sold into bonded labor when he was four years old. He was chained to a loom. His job was to sew rugs, 14 hours a day, for which he earned about 20 cents. He escaped twice, but both times the police returned him to his owner. Finally escaped for good, and when he was 10 years old, became famous in the fight to end child labor, traveling all over the world with his message until he was killed for his organizing. Went out one day to ride his bike. He's a 10, 12-year-old. He's going to go ride his bike. Well, someone with a shotgun shot him and killed him. He had been all the way around the world. He 
فارماسی Iqbal Masih was born in 1982 to Inayat Bibi and Saif Masih in Pakistan. Now sometimes after Iqbal's birth, his father Saif deserted the family. While Iqbal's mother worked, his older sister took care of him and his older siblings. Iqbal did not go to school. Education was not compulsory or widely available in Pakistan. Very few children learned to read and write. He spent his earliest years playing in the fields until he was ready to help his family by going to work. It was at the age of four that his father sold him as a slave to a carpet factory for 600 rupees, roughly $12, to pay for the wedding of his eldest son. From that moment, Iqbal was forced to work 12-hour days chained and subjected to constant beatings. Little Iqbal would weave carpets until all the money, including an undisclosed amount of interest and expenses, was paid back. From that day forward, Iqbal became a debt-bonded slave. Now Iqbal's job at the carpet factory was essentially no different from that of millions of other young people who worked day and night to help their families. At 4 o'clock in the morning, he was picked up by the Thakadar and driven to the factory where he was to work for the next 6 years of his life. He was put in an airless room, big enough for about 20 looms. A small bare light bulb gave out little light. It was sticky and hot inside the room because all the windows were sealed tight to keep out any insects that might damage the wool. When Iqbal completed his work as an apprentice, he was then ready to weave carpets. He worked besides 20 other boys. His earnings amounted to 1 rupee a day, which is about 2 cents, even though he worked from 4 o'clock in the morning until 7 in the evening. The children in the shop were not allowed to speak to one another. If the children spoke, they were not given the complete attention to the product and were liable to make errors, Iqbal later told journalists. Iqbal and his fellow weavers were warned never to leave the factory during work hours. If we tried to escape, we were threatened with being thrown in boiling oil, he said. If we were too slow, we often got lashed on our backs and heads. Concentration was crucial. Mistaking a single knot led to fines or beatings. Even daydreaming could have serious consequences. Now every afternoon, the child slaves were given a half-hour lunch break. Iqbal said, we were kept hungry. The Thakadar provided the youngsters a small portion of rice and lentils. Sometimes there would be a few other vegetables added to the meal. Iqbal said, we weren't allowed many days off. Even sick children were not allowed to rest. If a child weaver complained that he was too sick to work, they would be locked in a dark closet known as the punishment room. They also hung children upside down until they became sicker. Children were beaten, said Iqbal. Now although most bonded children are docile and obedient, they are not afraid to talk back. These children are often hit, chained to their looms, or locked in the dark, musty closets. Iqbal would often talk back. He was beaten more often than the other children because time and time again, he defied the master. Iqbal, the brave boy, however, never gave up hope. On one occasion, he managed to escape to reach the local police station. He told the police about how the factory owner had shackled him into slavery, but the police brought him back to the factory, seeking a finder's fee for returning escaped bonded laborers. In the factory, Iqbal and most of the other children had to work long hours under cramped conditions, tightly bound with chains to the carpet looms to prevent them from escaping. Now one day, after he had turned 10, Iqbal heard a speaker from the Bonded Labor Liberation Front, known as BLLF, a Pakistani community-based organization dedicated to freeing children from such child slavery. Hope resurfaced and he escaped again. Iqbal then joined the Bonded Labor Liberation Front. They exposed the carpet mafia, urging the world not to buy carpets made by slave children. Though stunted and hunched from six years of malnutrition and slavery under inhumane conditions, Iqbal helped over 3,000 Pakistani children escape their bonded slavery and made speeches about child labor throughout the world. He made it his mission to raise awareness about child slavery 
He toured various cities of Pakistan where child slavery is known to exist. He also traveled internationally, inviting masses to stand with him against child labor. He resumed his education and managed to complete four years of education in a two-year period. He said, children should have pens in their hands, not tools. Now on the 16th of April 1995, after attending Palm Sunday Mass, Iqbal went for a ride on his bicycle in his hometown near Lahore. He was then fatally shot to death by the carpet manufacturer Mafia after receiving many threats for having close companies that used child slaves. On the day of his death, Iqbal was carrying a Bible and a book in his knapsack with a picture of Jesus. This Pakistani boy today is considered the symbol of the fight against child exploitation. They may have killed him, but his mission will always stay alive. He remains to be an inspiration for numerous local and international organizations fighting against child labor. Iqbal Masih, pray for us. Okay, that's uh, by Jerome Chong, his channel. Uh, biography there of Iqbal Masih, one of the real heroes of the labor movement, now or at any time. A commercial I wrote for some uh, paid television people for a little money. I'm talking paid TV. I guess they're going to play it over in uh, Denver, Milwaukee. Blue Denver. Walking down the Denver town, watched the western sun go down. Thought that I would stop a while, switch around my TV dial. Got some free TV. Only price was a little boredom. Well, I'm not sure about my taste, but it seemed that TV land was a waste. I saw 30 westerns, 30 private eyes, 30 doctors operated before my eyes. None of the operations was successful, though. It's hard to operate with so much violence around. Well, every few minutes they'd take a break for a profound message on a stomach ache. They sold cures for dandruff, milk from the farm, perfume for my underarms. I've had enough. I'm sticking to greasy kid stuff. Well, the blood and gore was upon my floor, and I couldn't hardly stand no more. So I walked outside to get some air. A theater owner was standing there, carrying a picket sign. Said pay TV was un-American. He said, I'm against that pay TV. I'd much rather have people pay me. Dollar for parking, two for the show, three for the babysitter. There you go. Get to see a widescreen spectacular. Hercules meets Godzilla. Audience meets nausea. Well, pay 
TV is fine to see, you get much better quality. Broadway shows, heavyweight fights, first-run movies every night. Viewers of Denver unite. You have nothing to lose but commercials. Well, people are afraid of something new. They laughed at planes before they flew. You know, you only get just what you buy, so give that pay TV a try. Remember, families that pay together, stay together.
this world blue. I got nothing to tell you. Just before I go, I want everybody to know, Lord, it's a bridge going down. Ooh, it's a bridge going down. I got a bridge going blue. Took on his brother new. I want all the colored people to listen to me. Don't ever try to get no home in Washington, D.C., cause it's a bridge going down. Ooh. I got a bridge ball blue in them, a jug on a brother. Thank you.
is Solidarity News on Radio Labour. Hello, I'm Mark Boulanger. When we look at the situation or what we are doing in Zimbabwe, we are using what we call the area-based approach, where we identify a small geographical area, do activities in there, commit off child labor. When we are done, we move to the next one. Angelina Lunga is the training and development officer of the Zimbabwe Teachers Association, Zimka. She spoke at the fifth global conference on the elimination of child labor held in Durban, South Africa, May 15th to 20th, 2022. We started our work in a place called Chipinge. Chipinge is a place where a lot of agricultural activities take place. It's important to mention that when government outlawed child labor, major companies abandoned child labor. However, our other smaller farmers, communal farmers, and even members of the community, some of them are still practicing it. It is important to mention that when child labor was abandoned, then these other pockets of activities are the ones that we are targeting. We realize that children were involved in heading cackle, not going to school, but heading cackle for some people, doing some farming activities somewhere, selling the whole day, and being closer to the Mozambican border. Our children sometimes cross the border to look for work or to order stuff and come and bring it into Zimbabwe and be sailing throughout the day. So we have been doing in the schools, first of all, we trained teachers on issues to do with child labor. This was because we wanted to raise awareness on the importance of education and the right to education for these learners. We have done a lot of training targeting teachers, school administrators, the school development committees, which are parents' organizations which work within the schools. We have also targeted significant people in the communities, that is community leaders, our headmen, our crawl heads, our village community workers to raise awareness on this so that they sing from our hymn book and we get a buy-in on that, uh, in that respect. After training teachers, the teachers went on back into the schools to train other teachers and again implement what they learned in the schools. That's where they started forming within the schools what they call child protection committees. These child protection committees are groups of children who come together to conduct activities to spread awareness on child labor. Some of these children are engaged in theatrical activities such as drama, music, poetry, 
all carrying a message on child labor issues. They do performances so that they raise awareness. They do performances at gatherings such as assembly, during sports days, during international or national days where people gather. The children are invited to make presentations and in the process send the message child labor. Again, we also make sure that they also engage in fine arts. Fine arts is to do with uh, paintings and drawings, expressing points, expressing messages to discourage the use of child labor. Not only that, the teachers as well as those children in the child labor uh, groups also monitor attendance of would-be child laborers within the school. If they notice absenteeism at a certain stage and they realize it's going on for a, a while, they team up, they go to the child's place, talk to the parents, and uh, get the child back into this school. I will also talk about the impact of uh, COVID-19 on our activities. COVID-19 came in and then kind of affected what we had uh, gained in the, in the program because we started noticing after the introduction of our child labor project in the 24 schools, we noticed changes in terms of pass rates. Schools began to register higher pass rates than they used to before. We noticed some kind of retention within the school. Retention in terms of numbers. The dropouts were getting lower. We again noticed even the number of girls being retained in school was kind of higher. But then when COVID-19 came in, it kind of erased some of these gains because we realized when schools opened... Okay, you're listening to a Zimbabwe Teachers Association Training and Development Office, Angelina Lunga, who works in Zimbabwe trying to do away with child labor. Well, right now we're going to skip to our our campus correspondence, Vita Castaneda Morgan and Yaman Kabaz. Hello, you guys. Can you hear me? Okay, go ahead. Oh, I was saying that yes, I can hear you. Good, and you, I can hear you very clearly. Good morning to you. So our subject today, sort of the feature subject, is child labor. And um, I brought up the the company called Sheehan, the one that you told yeah. me about. 
Yeah. Where and so there was a documentary on that, and they kind of stopped short of saying, you know, that these were notes from people who were, you know, um, a lot uh, having a really bad time. But they did talk about the working conditions, so they kind of left out the whole thing of the notes. So what I'm asking now of you in Yemen, if you look into your mind, see what you know or know about child labor, if you've ever experienced it or known about it, or uh, go ahead, just take the ball and run with it, child labor. Yeah, well, um, I think that I did watch, I sent you another video too, um, like when it was interesting about how there are brands that market themselves here in the United States as being feminist or anti-racist, like all-inclusive, but those same brands use child labor in third world countries and about how it's like all just part of a brand and it's only for the people in the first world and what happens to people in the third world doesn't really matter. So, um, that was sort of what, like the way I see it happening now and that it's been happening is that it's kept under the rug. And just as long as it's marketed correctly to people in the first world and kept in the third world, no one's going to really care, supposedly. And also about cobalt or this uh, material that goes into phones and everything electronic and how it's being mined by children in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So, how about Yemen? What do you think you know, about it? You know, I have to go ahead actually say that again. What What's your read on child labor? I mean, what do you know about it? Are you aware of facts or have you ever experienced it I'm or very, heard about it? So, I'm... I, I, will, I will say I don't know much about the subject except for um, what I've uh, seen and, and heard about in real life. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that, you know, it's definitely something that is going on in the world, having um, lived in different parts of the world. Right. And seen, and witnessed uh, the lack of oversight in the United States itself, let alone the, you know, uh, countries that don't have institutions in place to conduct oversight. So, yeah, I think it's a large issue. It's very prevalent. And, you know, with a, a lot of the products that we use and are wearing today, like, it's bled into our system so much so that even those of us who would never want that uh, to happen on our dime. Right, and, and we are in a way depending on it. Let me ask you guys something. Um, the show today centered on this company called Sheehan. What's Sheehan's reputation among young people? And just tell me some background about Sheehan. Um, well, the it is like a fast fashion brand from China, and it's S-H-E-I-N, and it is very popular because they come out with, like, the newest fashions right away and the newest trends right away, 
so a lot of people buy it and then just like throw the clothes away or um give them away mm-hmm. and don't use them for a long time and they're not made to be like durable like other clothes that you can wear for 50 years you know um and they're pretty cheap and there's been also reports that they're made by Uyghur Muslims and concentration. There's also reports that they're made by the Uyghur Muslims in concentration camps, as well as other, you know, exploited populations. And and did you hear that they marketed a uh, Muslim prayer rug? Uh, and no, called I didn't it. Hear about that recently. And they called it a garden. They were, you oh, know, no, a what? They it it's a prayer rug, right? And they yeah. took the exact same design on the prayer rug, and um, sold it as a patio rug, little oh patio God. rug, or a, you know, a garden rug. I think that's it was very, called. That's very yeah. No. Can you imagine? And they also mark. They marketed uh, little swastika necklaces, and they. Go ahead, yeah. And they said it was a an ancient Buddhist peace symbol or some some BS, right? Totally ignoring what you know. Anyway. Right, and then I saw something where they were saying they made. Uh huh. Yeah, but I also remember you had told me about that little boy who became an advocate for children, um, and I think he was from Pakistan, right? Yeah, yeah. We read his uh, labor card, and so there, I put a little feature on about his life. What was his name? Iqbal Masi. Yeah, he was cool. He uh, made rugs, and they chained him up. That he had to make rugs out of. And how old was he? Uh, when he was sold, he was four. Yeah. Yeah. I just see that. Somehow he escaped, right? He escaped, and one time the cops just took him back to the factory where he worked. Um, but then the second time he got out, and you know, he went all over the world and made speeches. And... Yeah. He became really famous, I think, in the 90s, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that was really sad. Well, yeah, and then he went back home, and he he went on a bike ride, and he mysteriously got shotgun. Some guy killed him. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, that's what happens when you're people. He should know. Oh, my God. Okay, well, I want to thank you guys for uh, participating today. Okay. Um. This is the Labor and Love Show, and we're saying bye to our campus correspondents, Yemen and Vita. Thanks again, you guys. It was a labor of love. <laughs> hey, that's a good name for the show. Hey. Yeah. All Labors right. of love. Bye bye. Next week. Okay, so that was uh, Yemen and Vita and uh, child labor estimates, you know, of uh, how many...
children at 18 undergo every day when work in slave-like conditions. I've heard a number as high as 250 million. The kind of the agreed-upon number, I think, now is 160 million. And we're not just talking about the Middle East, or we're not just talking about Pakistan, or Lebanon, or Congo, or Latin America, Central America. We're talking about the fields here in California. Every day, children wake up and work in the fields. Um, remember listening to Mr. Milton Friedman talk about low-wage work, and he said that The push for higher higher minimum wages is the worst enemy of working people because if kids have to work for just a little money, at least they've got a job and uh, they're learning about work and how to be responsible, Mr. Friedman. Okay, well, that's our show for today, and I can see that... Uh, Mr. Flat Black Plastic, a.k.a. Scott Walker, has just entered the premises. And that's a signal for us at Labor and Love Radio to be on our way. Another thing that we haven't touched is human trafficking. We talk about child labor, and it's human trafficking is one of the parts of that this area, especially the Sacramento area, for some reason, supposed to be very heavy into human trafficking. More on that next week. More of everything next week. Remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. You don't have a seat at the table. A negotiating table there. It is where you work. You're on, you're on the menu. They're talking about you and your life and your time. Maybe it's time to get involved and see what you can do about that. Okay, we're going to go out with Kaori Miraji.
Coco Taylor, where are you? Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your, uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... Uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch a full-length movie. What's happening? This is your boy, Rob Edwards. I'm here to tell you about the 5th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. It's March 1st through the 7th, 2020. 
with special podcasts and comedy shows 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. all week long. Get your tickets on Eventbrite. Just search Mutiny Radio and get ready for 76 comments from all over the U.S. Coming for 66 programs in seven days, all here at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission, or listen live or podcast from anywhere in the world at mutinyradio.fm. Join us March 1st through the 7th for these amazing events. You ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead passers? Well, shoot. Time to time, I just want to start laughing. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even going to be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? To listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dang nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radio. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radio. Yahoo! Hungry for a burger? Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. 
Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Tired of paying too much for your internet? Contracts and hidden fees got you down? Tired of supporting the same big cable companies that lobby against a free and open internet? Get Monkey Brains! Monkey Brains is a local internet provider who doesn't sell your data, bind you down with contracts, or trick you with hidden monthly fees. We're honest, local, and 100% net neutral. Residential internet for only $35 a month. Business packages starting at $75 a month. Go to monkeybrains.net and sign up today. Happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket. Thank you. 